or Jesus, you got to fix this. You ever been there before? And sometimes it's in like an actual life or death situation. If you've ever been in an accident, you've prayed that prayer before. Jesus! Sometimes it's not in one of those life or death situations. Sometimes it's in like, a, like an emotional death situation. Like, like you've been in this relationship and you just can't find your way out of it. And you're like, help me get out of here. Or you're stuck in a cycle of addiction or behavior that's just got you killing yourself and you know it and people around you have been saying why can't you just quit why can't you just get right what's wrong with you and you don't know what's wrong with you you if you could you would but you can't and so finally you come to the end of your rope and you're like I just give up what I don't know what it's going to take to help me you know I always talk about foxhole prayers kind of in jest we've many prayed many of us have prayed a foxhole prayer that has like a bargaining tool to it Jesus, <laughs> I need your help again. I know I said that last time, but this is the last time. I know I said that last time too, but this time, you ever do this? If you get me out of this, here's what I'm going to do for you. Have you ever done this? You've prayed this prayer. I know you've prayed this prayer before. Be real with me. This is Beacon. You've prayed this prayer. If you get me out, here's what I'm going to do. As though Jesus is like, hey, fellas, gather around. This should be good. (laughs) I'm going to love you and go to church every, frequently on Sundays. (laughs) And Jesus is like, not a bad deal, dad. What do you think? You've done this before. You've prayed in the midst of your desperation because you have no other options. But somehow in your own stubbornness, you've also tried to make it work in your favor. Help me, I'm desperate, but not so desperate that it requires surrender. So here's the terms of our deal. And I always joke about that as though that's a bad thing. I want to tell you today, God's not super intimidated by your foxhole prayer. He's not annoyed by your call late in the midnight hour. He's actually not even frustrated when you bargain with him. It's true, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God, but if you, lead, if you read God's interaction with Gideon, you'll find that Gideon and God are engaging on a little bit of a testing conversation, and God is patient, and God is kind. In fact, if you look back over the course of your own life, can you be really honest and recognize how many times you've kind of lived in a negotiation state with Jesus, and he's just been so good with you. He's just been like, another day of foolishness, all right. Come back tomorrow, we'll check it out again. You see, foxhole prayers are what we pray when we finally come to the end of ourself. And I want you to understand that God has ordained most of our moments of the end of ourself on purpose so that you'll start praying, even if it's a foxhole prayer. He just wants to hear your prayer. Because God's always in control. You know that, right? I mean, even if you're stubborn and you don't feel like you ever really engage with him and you think like sometimes you just run in your own show and then you've run your own show for long enough and it gets bad that you've got to come back, I want you to understand you were never running the show anyway. Did you know that? You got super frustrated. Hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, you're never actually in control. See, if God is sovereign and he is, that means you're not and you're not. You're not in control. You're not leading this. 
You say, well, what about free will, pastor? Oh, here we go. You've been around this church for long enough, you'll hear me touch on this concept of free will. And I believe God's gonna call us to teach in greater depth around this in the years to come. But you and I, many falsely believe that God gives us free will, he doesn't. The Bible tells us very clearly, you are a slave to one of two things. When Jesus talks about sin, he says you are either a slave to sin or like Paul when he identifies himself by his salvation, he says, I am a slave to Christ. You see, you don't run this thing. He runs this thing. The question is, who are you submitted to? The king of kings or the ruler of the darkness? And so when you think you're running the show, I want you to understand who's running your show. And so when God opens the door for you to make a foxhole prayer, he's not frustrated. He's excited. Even if you bargain, he's like, you have nothing to offer me. Get over here. I love you. So silly. I'll go to church. He's like, I know. I'm going to make you go to church. I love you so much. I'm just glad you're back. And so Jonah, in this moment, he's praying this prayer. And God is in control the whole time. That's why verse 17, it starts this off. God is in control. He starts this off. God's in control. The whole part of this story starts off with God sent a fish. He delivered the mechanism by which Jonah would be delivered. Because our God is in the deliverance business. I mean, let's just work through the text, right? I mean, it's God who delivered his word to Jonah. It's God who delivered the storm to Jonah. It's God who delivered the fish Jonah and it's God who delivered the word through Jonah to Nineveh you see this whole time God's just been working even as he walks far away God's like I got a plan for that too and I want to I just want to talk this isn't in the notes but I just want to I just want to talk to those of you who are here today maybe you're new or maybe just started coming recently or maybe you're exactly who Beacon is which is like you've just never felt like you fit in church you just really struggle being in a congregation like this you don't really know what it means to be holy you're pretty positive everybody in here has got it right and you don't and I want to tell you that if you feel like that like you're far from God and he doesn't see you guess what you're dead wrong I mean, you're so wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. He brought you here today. You may have thought I just finally made it. No, man, this was the day he picked. When he was setting every star, he was like, and that day, July 17th, they're going to Beacon. And you might think everything that you walk into is an accident and you fumble from season to season and there are days when he sees you. This is even true for most of us who believe that we're good Christians. We think we do have it together sometimes. It's like there's times where it's like, man, my prayer life is good and my study is good and I know that I know that I see him and then, and then it's like Tuesday came and it's the worst day and he doesn't see me and I'm far from him. Do I have anybody who feels like that? I know what it's like to feel like one day up and the next day down and and you wonder like is it even real if he's in control why doesn't it feel like he's in control now and I want you to understand that he still sees you in the midst of that you see you, you could ask the disciple Nathaniel who sat underneath a fig tree and cried out to the Lord and said why don't you see me and then upon first meeting Jesus through the introduction with Andrew Philip. Jesus looked at him and he said, do you remember when you were under that tree? 
Nathaniel hadn't told anybody about that tree. He said, yes. He said, I, I saw you. And I heard you. And that is true of you right now. You know that prayer that you've been praying that no one knows about yet, that you're not even really to share about yet? I want you to understand he's listening and he hears it and he's working on your behalf and he's gonna make a way even though there is no way. And even though you feel like I should just stop praying this prayer, I'm gonna give up, I'm all done. The truth of the matter is, is that he sees you, he's in control, he's working behind the scenes. Even if you're under the curse of submission to the enemy, my God is bigger than the enemy and he's still working in the midst of that situation. And he said, even if you gotta shout like a foxhole prayer, said Jesus, help me. He said, I'm right there and I've been waiting for this moment. Are you ready? You see, God's in control. And it's never too late to pray or ask for him to take over. Did you, you ever been there where you're just like, well, that's ruined. Just give up on that. Your heart's been broken so many times. You're just like single forever. Gold, right? Can't seem to get your finances right. You just reserve that you're never going to buy a house. Never going to have good credit. Never going to learn how to make friends. You just, you, like, oh, that's mine. My thing that I just, I, I'll never get over. And I want you to understand that there's no such things as those things. Because it's never too, too late to just lay it before the Lord and say, okay, here it is again. That, that's the beauty of this prayer is, is that this is the best kind of foxhole prayer. It's at the very end. This is a prayer from the worst place ever. And Jonah could just be like, well, that's that. But he gives it to the Lord one more time. I want to examine this because, you know, it's Old Testament and it's like, you know, Jonah's praying and he's using some interesting language and if you have a KJV Bible I know it's like gobbledygook the whole page it makes no sense but I want you to understand that whenever there is a written out prayer it's not an accident it's incredibly important and vital for your faith in fact whenever someone prays a prayer and it's written in the text those are prayers worth emulating worth memorizing worth getting into the bottom of who you are so that if it worked for Jonah come on somebody I'm gonna be praying this for me in case you ever get swallowed by a whale. <laughs> I don't know how well you'll be able to remember this prayer in a whale's belly, but we'll figure it out. Look, here's what he does. Okay? Jonah's praying this prayer from the worst place imaginable. The Bible says that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. So that's the setting. Jonah is in the belly of the fish praying, which means what? He wasn't squished and he wasn't chewed. So the miracle has already begun. <laughs> Which means that in the middle of this belly, Jonah's like, <laughs> what, 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 what? And he begins to pray. And he prays a prayer that if you read through this text, you'll have to see it. He's, he's writing a descriptive prayer, first person, past tense. He says, I called out to the Lord. So he's in the belly 
and he is praying about a prayer he prayed. All right, let's do it again. Okay. He's in the whale, and he's remembering aloud to God. Do you remember that prayer I just prayed to you? He's in the middle of his miracle, remembering the prayer that brought forth the miracle. And here's what he says. He says, um, I called out to you out of my distress, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. Sheol is hell. He says, in the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me, your waves and your billows passed over me. Jump down to verse five, the waters closed in to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. That's a description of Gehenna, the place reserved for sinners where once you land after eternal judgment, the bars seal you in. Jonah is praying about the moment he knew he was gonna die. He is saying, I was dying Better yet, I was drowning, and it was all over for me. Wow. See, people will argue and say, there's no way that Jonah could survive in the belly of the whale, and you can be like, yeah, I know. He drowned. He was already dead. Jonah is sinking to the bottom of the ocean, and he is recounting what he prayed as he sunk to his death. He's praying about a previous foxhole prayer, which in fact makes this prayer from the belly of the whale not even really a prayer, but more of a praise. It's a testimony. He's telling God, remember when you got me out of that? Just now? I'm not trying to make light of this miracle. I'm trying to make light of this miracle because a lot of us don't make light of our miracles. We beg God for a miracle and then when it happens, what do you do? You just move forward like nothing happened. One of the biggest plagues of the church today is we're not good at praising God. We just don't do it. Oh, we can cry aloud, we can lament, we can fake worship with our hands like this. But when it comes to saying, lay it in the midnight hour. I mean, you don't understand what it's really like to know God until you know what it's like to just not be able to stop dancing and jumping and shouting and be like, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. I wish I had a couple Christians in this church who would stand up and talk about it for a second because most of what you're going through is a miracle. You just don't seem to want to talk about it. Why don't people come to my church? Because you're a sourpuss. Was that too real? (laughs) You're like, you should come to Beacon, it's really rad. Oh, really? How you doing? Oh, all right. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Do you know who you are and what he brought you from? Have you so quickly forgotten the deliverance that the Lord has provided for you? Did you just seem to gloss over the fact that he chose you from the midst of your spiritual death and the sin that plagued you and the slavery that had you bound and he set you free for whom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. How many of you have not? You just forgot. It's like you stopped talking about good God that he is. 
That's why this is important to read. See, you think this Jonah story is about this reluctant prophet. No, it's about the fact of the matter that God loves stubborn people, even you. And he wants you to pray right now. And when he saves you right now, he wants you to remind him how good he is and tell everybody. I mean, you have to understand that who, who wrote this book. Jonah wrote this book. Jonah the prophet recognized and respected as a man who spoke and God's good things happened. Israel loved Jonah. He declared that they would be fruitful and prosperous. And when he said it, it happened. They were like, good job, Jonah. You'd think that the words that Jonah wrote about himself would be all about the good jobs. Jonah wrote a dirty memoir about losing his faith. Oh, you could see it. What if God decided to write your story and the only part he wrote was the shameful part that he rescued you from? That's what Jonah chose to write. You don't read anything else from Jonah. He's only mentioned by someone else. The only words that you find from Jonah is when he says, let me tell you what a total dirtbag I was. And let me tell you how my God fixed all of it. Can you be that kind of a Christian? What, what is it about you, Ray? You're so different. Well, let me tell you. Sit down. Lucas, I don't understand. You're so sweet. What makes you that way? Let me tell you. Sit down. When someone begins to tell you their own life story and the struggles, the struggles that they go through, the trials and tribulations, do you just go, hmm, that's nice? Or do you sit down and go, Oh my gosh, I've been through the exact same thing. Let me tell you about the Jesus who rescued me from it all. So Jonah prays this prayer and it's a testimony, it's a celebration within seconds of his deliverance and what he's actually doing in this course of this prayer as he's outlining what a beautiful model prayer should be. Rob's gonna know this part, the simplest way that you can pray, it's right here, but if you don't know how to pray, you struggle to pray, a great model is this, just start with, I'm needy, and you're worthy. If you, if you learn anything about prayer and you, you leave today, leave with that. That's a great prayer that God, he, he listens to, he speaks to, he answers. If you just say, I'm, I'm, I'm weak, and you are strong. I'm low, and you are high. I'm dark, and you are light. And I'm in need of all of you. You see, Jonah walks through this prayer, and it's true. He, he recounts his peril and his pain, the suffering, the, the weeds that wrap around him, how he went all the way down. But there's also this in the prayer. In verse 3, he quotes Psalm 42. Have you ever heard people say you should memorize Scripture? And you're like, when would I ever use that? All the time. And when most when you're praying. You see, he starts off and he's like, okay, first of all, you remember God, I was dying, but your word says this. And then he goes on and he starts talking about the time that he, he died again and then he quotes scripture again in verse five and then again in verse nine and he goes back and forth talking about how bad things were and how good God is. I love this part in verse four. He says, the waves and the billows passed over me, but then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, but you know what? I'm gonna look again. He says, waters closed in over my life. They were wrapped around me and I was, I was going down. But verse six, you, you brought up my life. 
He keeps going in verse seven. He says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered you. And then he ends this conversation. And he says, through it all, what I, I think I finally came to my senses in the most midst of my foxhole prayer. It wasn't eloquent. It wasn't beautiful. It was desperate. And where I ended was this idea that like, uh, salvation, what's well, yours? I can't fix this anymore. Th- that, I think, is the purpose of God's allowing us to pray foxhole prayers. I, I think that the Lord does let us get to some of this place. Some of us are more stubborn than others, right? You learn very quickly. High five for all the people who do not. And he lets us, in our stubbornness, come to a better revelation of who he is, not who we are. And as he prays this prayer and he's sinking, what he's finally realizing is I'm doomed, but salvation is yours. And I think that's our last part today. Remember, we'll end with this. You see, verse 10 says, God speaks and a fish vomited Jonah out on dry land. And, and it's funny because there's this prayer and these two little refrains. In the beginning, it says God sent a fish. And then in the end, it says, and God used the fish to spit Jonah out. And there's this prayer in the middle and there's a mechanism at the very end of the prayer that brings forth God's action with the fish. And I want, I want to make sure that you see it. First thing you need to understand is that Jonah is in fact dead and then brought back to life. And the Lord brings him to a firm foundation. And the, the reason for this deliverance, this fix, is it's for Jonah, amen? I mean, he loves Jonah, amen? rebellious, stubborn, cranky Jonah. He still loves him and still wants to rescue him. No matter how hard he fights back or rebels, he still loves him. And that should be a testament to each one of you who felt like, no, I mean, I'm bad, bad. I'm like really bad. No, not worse than he loves you. And he's still willing to use you. Because while this deliverance is for Jonah, it's also through Jonah because he wants him to go to Nineveh. In this moment, we actually see how wonderful a type and shadow that Jonah really is for Jesus. It's why Jesus quotes this sign. There's a theologian who goes by the last name of Bruckner, and I think he encapsulates this perfect. He says this, Jesus did perfectly what Jonah also, if temporarily, accomplished. Both were from Galilee, Jonah struggled with his call to preach, and Jesus struggled with the will of the Father. Both preached God's message of judgment and reconciliation to the marginalized and especially to sinners. Both chose death, forsaken by others. Both bore and removed the consequence of sin from others. Both caused the storm to cease after sleeping through it. Jonah was in repentance, but Jesus did it with his divinity. Jonah entered the jaws of the fish, and Jesus entered the jaws of the grave. Both were kept for three days. Both were raised up again by the Father. Jonah's obedience in preaching led to the conversion of a great city and Jesus' obedience led to the conversion of the whole wide world. And I, I want to tell you that story, this picture, because it's not just a hint of what's to come through Jonah. It's not just God speaking through the life of Jonah to say the Messiah is coming, it's going to look like this, but it's also a reminder to you that God can use you far beyond that you think you can be used. 
You feel like a loser or a disaster in this season of your life? Have you felt like you've made enough mistakes to be discounted? Are you ready to quit and ready to give up? Do you only have left but a foxhole prayer? I want to tell you that's the only prayer you make that you need to make because God is ready in the twinkling of an eye and an instant to change you from the depths of Sheol to be a deliverer or a messenger for the people around you. He wants to use this tragedy for their triumph. The only difference is, are you calling on his name? And this is where I'll leave you. You can come out. The Bible tells us that Jonah prays this whole prayer. And then there's just one phrase at the very end of the prayer. It says, salvation belongs to the Lord. That's from Psalm 3, 8. And it's the moment that he ends the prayer. There's no amen. You know, it's not like a modern in Jesus' name. He just ends his prayer by saying, I've realized in this moment salvation belongs to the Lord. And it says, and then immediately God spit him out onto dry land. The mechanism for the deliverance was this confession. Whoo, here we go. Was this confession of his faith. It was the return of the faith that he had shared when he was used mightily by God in his office as a prophet. He had become so desperate through his stubbornness, was, was created to a place of such submission that he finally just said, I give up. Salvation is yours, not mine. And here's the real beauty of this. Jonah writes this. His mini autobiography. And he's from Israel. We'll learn in the coming weeks that he's a super patriotic Jewish prophet, which means that when he writes, he writes in Hebrew. And the words that he uses, they're in Hebrew. And see, we translate our text into English and we make it very easy to be palpable. We use an ESV translation, which we believe is word for word, very accurate. But if you just read it, just quickly, you might miss just how deep this one last sentence goes. In Hebrew, he writes, salvation is the Lord's. In Hebrew, the word for salvation is Yeshua. And the word for the Lord's is Yehovah. You see, Yeshua is the name above every name. The name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And so it's not just that he gives up and says salvation is yours. Before he ever knew there was a Jesus, what Jonah said was Jesus is Lord. And then immediately God stepped in. I don't want to tell you today that the difference between where you are and where he's going to call you is not whether you've heard him. But whether you've confessed him. God uses very difficult seasons so that you only have but a few words in your vernacular. And one of them is Jesus. And it might be that it's getting so hard right now because he's just waiting for you to say, Jesus is Lord. You're my Lord. You're Lord over this circumstance. You're Lord over my heart. You're just, you're just king. And you lead and I quit. And whatever comes next is yours to call. Yeshua, Yehovah. That's why we write it in all of our churches. Because it's the only way to be saved. Would you bow your heads? 
Father, we thank you that your word paints such a beautiful picture of your heart, but also such an accurate mirror of ours. God, I thank you that you speak to those of us who are far from you, who are running from you, who are lost, who are afraid, who are rebellious, and even those of us who are just plain stubborn. I thank you that you love the stubborn ones. And today, we thank you that you've brought many of us to the pits of Sheol. Maybe in our minds or in our hearts and our circumstances, you've brought us to a place we have nothing else to do but to cry out. And so, Father, today, we cry out. We have nothing to offer you. There's no bargaining here today. It's just our confession. That's it. Father, in this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm asking that you would see every heart that needs to call you by name and that you would move as only you move when we say Jesus is Lord, that you would move as only you move when we call out to you and say, Jesus, Jehovah, my Lord, my God, Rabboni, teacher, do whatever it is that you need to do with me. I surrender, I submit, I give up. My life is yours. I put my trust in your hands, God. Hear our cry today and do what it is that you need to do with us. Jesus, you are Lord. Salvation belongs to you. We surrender. Amen.